secure the existence of our people and a future for white children. Because the beauty of the white Aryan woman must not perish from the earth. The silicon chip inside her head gets switched to overload. And nobody's gonna go to school today. She's gonna make them stay at home. Daddy doesn't understand it. He always said she was good as gold. And he can see no reasons Cause there are no reasons What reason do you need to be shown? Whoa, 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 whoa. Tell me why I don't like money Tell me why I don't like money Tell me why I don't like money I wanna shoot Welcome to the Based Monday Sane Asylum. Old school Italians and black people understood and respected each other for a reason. Tony Soprano and Muhammad Ali had much in common. In the following two video clips, they both understand and appreciate God's plan for the races remaining exclusive and separate. Then came along the age of open borders, race replacement, and the turmoil which we're experiencing today. In the following video clip, we see a liberal, miscegenated Jew with attitude who astonishingly seeks to incite Tony Soprano as a racist in his own home. It's a big mistake. You're about to see a brief study of miscegenation, which is sexual relationships or reproduction between people of different ethnic groups. At the community level today, it goes hand in hand with multiculturalism. Now watch the two short clips and I'll be back. <laughs> uh, what, I, what I mean is like we're Italian. Oh, my dad is Jewish and my mother's family is African-American. Tannenbaum. Right. But on your application to Columbia, you didn't check Jewish, did you? No. They can't ask about religious affiliation. All right. Right. Of course. What'd you check? African-American. So we do understand each other here. You're a uh, ditzo. Excuse me? Uh, charcoal briquette, a moulignon. What's your problem? I think you know what my problem is. You see, your little friend up there. She didn't do you any favors bringing you into this house. Now, I don't know what the fuck she was thinking. We'll get to that later. See, I got business associates who are black. And they don't want my son with their daughters, and I don't want their sons with mine. Fuck you. See, that's the kind of thing I'm hoping to avoid. And another thing, when you say integration, it comes on the end of marriage, too, right? All right. been together. Right, sure. And I'm sure no intelligent white person watching this show, or no intelligent uh, white man in his or her right white mind, want black boys and black girls marrying their white sons and daughters and in return introducing their grandchildren as half brown kinky head black people. It's just nature. You can do what you want, but it's nature to want to be with your own. I want to be with my own. 
I love my people. That's all. I don't hate nobody. There is absolutely nothing wrong or supremacist with loving and having pride in your own race, whatever it might be. And for that race to have its own exclusive living space where its culture flourishes as opposed to the melting pot where race and culture are extinguished or melded in the interest of artificial coexistence and constant tension to be exploited by mischief makers who we will unmask soon. Widespread societal race mixing has never worked in all recorded history, including during the Roman Empire. The minority is always dominated when the minority carps on about tolerance, diversity, equity, and inclusion. The majority resent the dilution of their culture values and history and racial mayhem inevitably follows does that sound like today it's why exclusive racial living spaces are essential for all races this is why ethno states and communities were the norm for all of history until recently when instant communications and fast mass travel tore down previous protective barriers between the races there is everything wrong with hating your own race and culture and wanting to extinguish it or being ashamed of it this is the vile ideology being foisted on white people today using shame, guilt, and self-loathing. The media and educational institutions are reinforcing the despicable ideology, and one eternal mischief-maker group is the architect of it to further their own interests. In the Tony Soprano clip, the bespectacled, miscegenated Jew should have a problem with his own mixed-race parents and not with Tony, who loves his own race and culture and wants to preserve it, as does Muhammad Ali. They are both correct. Love your race. Ordinarily, Jews are very ethnocentric and don't like their children marrying non-Jews. Indeed, it's illegal in Israel. It's one of the last ethno-states. Yet Jewish Hollywood and the controlled mainstream media and big tech champion miscegenation for all other races, but something frowned upon for Jews. You have to ask why. You won't like the answer as it involves creating division and atomization for Jewish dominance in their host communities so the Jew is invisible to exploit and do mischief. It's divide and conquer. That's how Jews see social, political, and economic dominance and why they've been expelled from countless city-states, kingdoms, and nations over the millennia for their mischief, menace, and disruptive, usurous, swindler nature. As for Muhammad Ali, he was 100% congruent with God's plan. The shameful interviewer, Michael Parkinson, is typical of the New Age self loathing white liberal that's prevalent and ascendant today. They're hypocrites and race traitors. They are the despicable racists. They'd call Soprano and Ali supremacists as if they're dangerous. Nowadays, you hear the term white supremacists as if they're akin to domestic terrorists. When you hear the white supremacist term used as a slur, know you're looking at a Judas gaslighter betraying his or her own people. Neither Tony Soprano nor Muhammad Ali are racists. They have much in common. They respect loving one's race, whether white or black. We can add in brown and Asians. All are unique, seeking to preserve true diversity, including the beauty and uniqueness of their respective race. Living together is not diversity. It leads to disunity and destruction. Preserving your race and homogeneous culture is true diversity, and that can only happen in exclusive living spaces like Israel practices, but doesn't want for anyone else, as the notorious and odious Jewish Barbara Specter states in the following short video. She champions multiculturalism and race mixing for everyone. But Jews and therein is your answer to why we have open borders and the social upheavals we're witnessing in white, formerly Christian nations. It's no accident. It's a plan. Their plan. It's them. It's always them. The eternal mischief makers. The Jews whose cruelty has been unmasked in Gaza where they're killing women and children without remorse. Europe has not yet learned how to be multicultural. And I think we're going to be part of the throes of that of that transformation, which must take place. Europe is not going to be the monolithic uh, 
uh, societies that they once were in the last century. Jews are going to be at the center of that. It's a huge transformation for Europe to make. They are now going into a multicultural mode, and Jews will be resented because of our leading role. But without that leading role and without that transformation, Europe will not survive. White, then you suspect the black man. Yep. If you're black, you suspect the white man, and they know that. Yeah, they know that, and the be and they know that because the minute they can get that going, and between that black guy and that white guy, the Jew becomes invisible. Nobody sees the Jew anymore. <laughs> Good thing no one was around to see it. No, not my dick! No, not my dick. The words of yet another innocent black man shot by a cop. More on this explosive story after these messages. 
We're here with Paradise PD officer Gerald Fitzgerald, who made national headlines when he shot an innocent black man. <laughs> oh, this is funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, let me clear this up. I accidentally shot myself. So what you're saying is you, a police officer, mm -hmm. shot an innocent black man. I mean, technically, yes, but you see, I was the black man. Oh, so now you're changing your story. That's what you cops do. Hold up now. Why are you attacking me? Same reason that black thug attacked you. Because you're a cop. As far as I'm concerned, you're a hero. He's not a hero. He is a racist. Oh, yeah? Well, I just learned the black man he shot also had a gun. Of course he did. I mean, I did. I mean... Well, that confirms it. The shooting victim known on the streets as G. Fitz was armed. Where did you get that name from? Did you just make that up? Justice for G-Fits! No, not my dick! No, not my dick! Dick one ain't do nothing. All he did was rob the gas station. Y'all acting like he robbed Walmart or something. Release my nigga. Release my nigga. And that's and and this is the what you have to deal with with niggas. Niggas are the worst people on earth. I do understand why they made them slaves. I think one of the worst things that happened was they stopped making them slaves. If they'd have kept niggas as slaves, we'd have built more shit. We'd have been better people. Whenever black people were under the oppression of white people, they did more. They were more productive people. Name the shit you've built since being out of slavery. Name it. You claim you built DC. You were enslaved when you did that. You claim you built the railroads. You were enslaved when you did that. Everything you claim you built in America, it's when white people had the whip <laughs> on your ass. What have you built since? Oh, what have you built since? Nobody wants to talk about the facts. Now all you do is go around and begging white people for shit. All these hoods y'all proud of, white people gave them to you. You didn't build them. Did black people build Cabrini Green? Nope. Did black people build, did black people build Capitol Homes? Nope. Did black people build Carver Homes? Nope. All these hoods, y'all, did black people build O Block? Nope. Did black people build any of these things you're talking about? 63rd, 62nd, 69th? Did you build any of that shit? Nope. Did black people build Compton? Nope. This person said Black Wall Street. Sir, you remember what Black Wall Street was built under? Jim Crow. Holla at your boy. I said you have to be under white oppression. We all out here in this world, and we all got to make it happen, and ain't nothing stopping me. So, like, I'm very hopeful and confident. After this interview, Ashif sent a picture of his penis to our producer. White America, wake the fuck up. White America, wake the fuck up. Welcome to episode number, <clears throat> excuse me, 200 and 11 of the based monday the sane asylum and uh the the mantra for this show we must secure the existence of our people and a future for white children because the beauty of the white aryan woman must not perish from the earth amen I'm about to bring my two based white nationalist co-hosts in paul from california and davis lerman but first a bit of housekeeping now um many of you loyal speak free radio listeners have been frustrated with the technical issues could be sabotage could be uh, uh, uh an up major upgrade that that foobarred our whole entire system so you haven't been able to go and download podcasts but there is now a working solution you can go to speakfreeradio.com 
and download the podcast uh, again like uh, you you enjoy because it's easier to download them and play them on your device. So it is working again. It's not the permanent solution, but it is a working solution. So there you go. And so uh, that's the bit of housekeeping. Hope everybody had a good weekend. And now let's bring in Mr. Paul from California and Mr. Davis Lehrman. Welcome, gentlemen. Uh, Paul, start with you, your opening statement. Well, first of all, I'd like to protest that housekeeping thing because that took away about uh, a minute or so of my potential airtime today. Um, Well, uh, duly noted. You know, one month is really not enough. I, I think we gotta we gotta keep this going because Black History Month is just too much material. We cannot, we just simply cannot ignore this. It's there's just an unlimited supply of beautiful clips to play and comment on. You know. Oh my God, I've got literally a thousand more. We could have done a whole show just on clips. You know what's sad though, Paul and Davis, is that you know of the twelve point five percent of the American population that is black, you know, 60, maybe even 70% get it. They, 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 uh, they, 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 they control their low impulse urges. They have a job or some income. They, they're not violent. They don't commit crime, but man, that 40% that we cover is just blight upon the entire, uh, black Americans. It's really, really sad that they can't, uh, I mean, it's intentional. The Jew has savaged, uh, uh, the black community. If you look back in the fifties, you know, the, the, there was a, a, a stable household. There were living wage, working class jobs for blacks. They were married and, 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 uh, the CIA Mossad went after that big time. And, uh, so unfortunate really, but the p- fact is, is the fact is you look at the numbers, violence against whites is like 6 million times greater than uh, violence of white against blacks. And yet all these idiotic blacks are whining that they're afraid to go out the door because of what whites will do. It's just madness, man. So your thoughts. Well, as uh, I've often told people for years, just to get them to, um, you know, just to, just to uptake uh, the proper perspective. I just, I, I give them a simple example. I say picture for a moment, white people, um, you know, going into black neighborhoods and burglarizing their houses. Uh, picture white people carjacking blacks, right? Picture, uh, you know, white people doing anything that, of course, are obvious black crimes. And, you know, um, I would say most people, not all, but most people to their credit, uh, as soon as you put it that way, they get it. You know, even though there's always those few that will go, oh, but, you know, the racism, the, uh, the socioeconomic, deprivation and you know blah 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 we've we've heard it all of course so how's our good friend davis this morning davis how are you what's your opening Very well hello gentlemen yeah so uh of course this is our last chance at the black history month so no I- no <laughs> <laughs> well not forever see this happens every year unfortunately and uh i thought i'd take a uh, moment of time now or later doesn't matter when to prove to everybody that blacks didn't even invent rap the few things that they're given credit for like jazz or whatever uh these were also just sort of bastardized uh musical aspects of what white people had perfected and so you know i make this great point. point davis why don't you do it now in fact uh you know as a musician i've known for decades 
that, you know, early on, uh, the real talented white vocalist would do something called scat, which was, you know, like uh, using your voice as an instrument. And, and, and it was way better than any rap you hear now. So please go ahead. Yeah, you betcha. So that's, uh, yeah, that's precisely what we wanted to get to. Now, if you could open up the clips, though, Giuseppe, because you have two Sure, clips. I can do that. The, the ones you sent in the mail? Correct. Email, yeah. rather? Okay. Yep, exactly. And while he's pulling those up, what I'm going to do is uh, essentially lay out what it is you're about to hear for context. And literally, this is less than a minute combined. It's like um, less than a minute combined. These two excerpts will prove to you historically uh, with one of the earliest recordings of a rap in the 1920s that white people invented rap. It was just called something else. It wasn't called rhythm and poetry. That's a negrification, a sort of urbanization of what this was. And so I'm going to surprise you now with the origins of rap being white. And it's called flighting. F-L-Y-T-I-N-G. Okay. This was a ritual poetic exchange of insults that were practiced mainly between the 5th and 16th centuries. That's how old this is. Wow, the root amazing. of this word flighting is from flitan, meaning quarrel. Uh, from mm -hmm. Old Norse, the word flita, flita, means provocation. Just how long it goes back. Examples of flighting are found throughout Norse, Anglo-Saxon, and medieval literature involving both historical and mythological figures. So in other words, this was, this was not just entertainment. It was that, for sure. But it was also a way to exchange barbs without physical violence. It sounds very white, um, which is why it is. The exchanges would become provocative, uh, often involving accusations of cowardice or sexual perversion. And this is much like the blacks do now, where, you know, they call each other uh, fags on the down low in their rap. They mock each other's uh, uh, bravery, uh, et cetera, or lack thereof. And the Norse literature contains stories of the gods themselves flighting. So this is what this is how imbued this is how pervasive this was in the culture that a lot of the mythology even had these norse gods sort of flighting with each other exchanging barbs um and rather than get into those details because there's some names i can't really pronounce uh, it's like when the a and the e go together in the lettering it's like some of these odin words are like that so i'm not going to read that to you but if anyone even knows about beowulf most people have had to read beowulf um yeah i read it Yep. It's a it's a bit's poem, and uh, of course, flightings were used as a prelude to battle in that poem. So it's it's That's like right, right there, this the short sort of sto uh, this um, this uh, this short staccato sort of insulting back and forth is what is what came to be known as rap, but it was really just flighting, which was really public entertainment even in Scotland in the 15th and 16th centuries, and it didn't go away in the 16th century. I'm only mentioning that because you can find flighting in William Shakespeare's plays, okay? Um, and so the first rap ever recorded, we'll call it that, was a flighting, um, Kaniska Murin. It's a Swedish flighty named Everett Taub, and he did this recording in the 1920s in a pub, uh, so go ahead and play clip one. You'll hear this 1920s recording in a pub of what was really Swedish rap that eventually was heard by slaves, bastardized, negrified, and turned into rhythm and poetry in our urban centers. All right, here we go. It was she, one tea, Kung out sin, some levusa, kid, kinesis, kahustan, and swore a brand resource than in China. 
Pustan spreds från miljoner boll där Kinas böcker fram. And then, of course, we have another example to show uh, just how pervasive in American culture this early form of rap was. Uh, this is a post-scat uh, staccato kind of rhyme in a 1936 film called Night Mail. Uh, go ahead and play clip two. Here we go. Letters of thanks, letters from banks, letters of joy from the girl and the boy, receipted bills and invitations to expect new stock or visit relations, but applications for situations and timid lovers, declarations and letters of condolence to highlands and lowlands, notes from overseas to Hebrides, written on paper of every hue, the pink, the violet, the white and the blue, the chatty, the catty, the boring, the boring, the golden, the small hearts out boring, ever stupid, short and long, the type of the print in the spell for one. Tell me that's not rap. Way to go, Davis. That's awesome. So you'll note the familiar rhyme schemes present, the pacing, the quips, the barbs, right, uh, representing a rhythmic and poetic sort of verbal jousting. Negroes simply culturally appropriated the white man's <laughs> tradition <laughs> of interrogating go. disagreements through an exchange of rhythmic phrases, proving once again that apes ape. Wow. wow. Well, that is some excellent research. And... Once again, yeah, and then it, and then I don't know if you guys saw the last week or two, Google released some type of uh, Chat GPT uh, competitor called Google Genesis, and it's so so woke with the the these kike lies that when you look up any historical feature, they make them into uh, a Negro or a Chink or a Mestizo Asian or a Vietnamese. Yeah. They don't. That's uh, no. just. It's Tragic. just ridiculous, right? Ridiculous. It's it's, yeah. it's beyond ridiculous. They're putting they're putting the finishing touches on our erasure. I mean, they are erasing us, and it's going to it's going to become normalized. I mean, in other words, uh, another you know few generations. I don't see it being more than two to at the max three generations. Uh, our history will be uh, will be gone unless we, of course, uh, win. And I didn't even want to go there right now, but I did want to comment on uh, what Davis was saying. By the way, a great uh, work there. We're going to make you the uh, the vi visiting uh, scholar here for the show. Um, <laughs> is that what he was talking about? A way to uh, you know to to insult each other or to you know do some kind of verbal battle without becoming violent and so forth. And it just reminds me of even when we were kids, right, Giuseppe, and probably yourself, Davis. We all remember the meet me after school, you know, behind the gym or whatever. Right. And that, and that literally was at my junior high. It was like, meet me after school behind the gym. And, uh, you know, I remember this uh, friend of mine actually uh, fought this one kid that I was afraid to fight. And uh, he did okay. Um, he actually ultimately, you know, kind of lost. And, but in the end, of course, it was just the way that things were done where, you know, you just didn't do it in the classroom. You didn't do it in the Waffle House, okay? You didn't do it in McDonald's. You didn't do it wherever they right. do it, just right at the drop of the hat, which also brings up the idea of dueling, which uh, within, I don't know, probably the last five or seven years, listening to the internet and or uh, maybe reading something, I, I believe it was like a radio show or a video, if I'm not mistaken. They did a brief history of dueling. And it was quite pervasive and long-lasting. And here's the thing. It made for a very polite society where you had manners and you were civilized because if you weren't, 
you could or would be challenged to a duel where you could die. And right. of course, if you didn't show up to this duel, you know, your honor was besmirched. So therefore, you know, the kind of ridiculous fighting and brawling and, and just uncivilized, uh, absurd Negroid behavior was not part of any society, especially not a European society. So, well, yeah, anyway. If I might, this is a very important because what yeah. you mentioned is in the latter example, so you've got dueling by pistols, which uh, is obviously an outcome of an honor culture. It's a way to sort of uh, put a you know dark red line around this particular violent incident and to keep it between only the two people disagreeing this is right. like the complete opposite of just random mass negro violence um and then in the example of the children of course they're, they're youthful and they don't know a whole lot so frankly they don't have the toolkit to exchange sort of verbal jousting and barbs that way so it comes to fisticuffs and this is expected with the sort of arrogant youth uh that most people possess when they're young right so i mean but but this leads to a, a conclusion that uh the bulk of america would not be comfortable with that if we were to put people on a sort of progressive scale progressives you love progressive scales if we were to put people on a progressive scales well it turns out the blacks are just the badly behaved retarded children of the world you know like the like the rabid retard biting and kicking and screaming and smearing his own duty on the wall that's the nigger that's yeah. that's who we have to deal with they haven't built tommy sotomayor at the beginning of this thing was right you know they ain't built shit since uh being out from under the boot of the white man to whatever there was a boot it was more like you know okay we ring a we ring a triangle hanging off the porch and you go out and work and then you know you get food and then uh, oh you're still hungry you can hunt a squirrel at night great and then tomorrow you do it all over again this is not like torture you know what i mean it's just work everyone relax roots ain't real okay so everyone just relax roots ain't real and you ain't built shit which means wakanda isn't real either <laughs> it's not <clears throat> i want to play this clip again i had put it on the end of the intro but it was so quick i i want to so you know vice is this kite controlled that recently went out of business it was a whole bunch of uh beyond liberal commie kikes and and and, and uh traitorous uh white libtard cucks and they did this documentary about how all oh, the system's so against blacks and they tried to like really show how you know blacks get a raw deal and so then this little segment of that documentary which is nothing but lies and horseshit it is it, it, just hilarious i watched it like three times and it made me cackle each time so this is the this is literally the money shot about saying oh the blacks are so oppressed and it's not their fault look, look at this we all out here in this world, yeah, and we okay. all got to make it happen. It ain't nothing oh, stopping me. So, like, I'm very hopeful and confident. After this interview, Ashif sent a picture of his penis to our producer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw it at the beginning of your show today. What the yeah, hell? yeah, I just wanted to put that in context of this long documentary they did. Yeah. And, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, that's so what you. What did he like the producer? What was it that little froggy girl uh, that used to interview the alt right? He could be. Hitting, he was just hitting her up. Hey, 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 hey! Give me holler, holler at me. 
You know, holla, holla, holla. Hey, real quick, did you know Megan Kelly discussed this? Um, of all people, it just happened to be. See, we're now all slaves of the algorithm. So, like, I was poking around that suddenly YouTube wanted to show me Megan Kelly. So I'm like, all right, let me put this old broad on. She's looking pretty good. And uh, there she is <laughs> talking about this AI thing. And uh, the way she did it was really sort of edgy. I was I was surprised by Megan Kelly, of all people. I really thought her to be kind of a dud and just a mainstream sort of, I get douche chills when I watch her usually. But this was amazing. She was relaxed, and she had a panel of guys, three guys to outweigh her sort of normal responses, which were perfect. And she pulls up the picture of this guy in charge of this gay, fake and gay AI and uh, she says, that's the guy. <laughs> so she looks and like, whoa, there's this dude. He looks like a complete fag. He doesn't look like a Jew, but this dude looks like he's got the thousand penis stare. You know what I mean? Just what a <laughs> the and thousand then, penis stare. And then she reads one of his tweets, which is white privilege is fucking real. Don't be an asshole and act guilty about it. Do your part in recognizing bias at all levels. This is one of his tweets, and this dude's got a hundred tweets like this. He's a total fag. And then yeah. and then she summarizes what he said with his solution to white privilege is just to eliminate all white people. <laughs> <laughs> They're mocking him. This is great. This is great. Yeah. So not that, no, she, not that she's our warrior princess, I'm just saying. It was pretty great to see that it's becoming normalized how absurdist this all is. Yeah. Well, let me interject for a second then, Paul. I know you have a thought. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny that all those Fox uh, former talking heads who got paid literally millions of dollars to read the uh, Kike Light script that came out of Fox all those years, now that they're on their own, they're showing that they actually knew what was going on all along and just, uh, you know, didn't want to, didn't want to sabotage their their big money payday exactly yeah so what i was going to mention i'm familiar with this guy's tweets I, i've looked at uh, multiple probably like you davis i looked at his picture uh, apparently he's not jewish he's white uh, whether he's a homosexual or not i i, I don't know but <laughs> you know and, but of course you know he, he qualifies obviously for the pejorative uh, fag but, you know, the thing is, and again, I'm not I don't want to get all serious and everything, but it's it, it points to a larger issue, which this guy ain't alone. OK, I've met white people who are, you know, on the same autism spectrum that this guy is. OK, where I mean, he literally feels the way he feels and he thinks the way he thinks. And, you know, just going forward, I mean, these people are going to have to be dealt with. And in my opinion, as so many other white nationalists over the years, and you know, skinheads and. You know, the Aryan uh, type, uh, you know, they've all said that the, these type of white people are really our biggest enemy. And in many cases, you know, they are they are enabling because without the, you know, white faggot cooperators and without the other races, which now, as I said, they're bringing in by the millions to put it. In my opinion, this this border thing is just the, you know, the, in my opinion, the finishing off of what they started, uh, you know, probably a hundred years ago. I mean, it really, it, I mean, it's the actual physical reality we're presented with of all these super undesirable non-whites everywhere that pose an actual, you know, existential threat, especially if they pull the, uh, the economic, uh, 
a rug out from underneath all of us, which I think is mm -hmm. what is in their plans. That's that's what I'm I'm able to suss out from the situation. But yeah, I mean, I, I echo you know whatever has been said about this guy and about AI. But you know, in the end, it's not funny, and all these people have to be destroyed. And we're going to fire and squat this guy uh, later on, Giuseppe. Another show where we'll bring up his bio, show his picture. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe if he's got, we got a little piece of video audio on him. Well, you know what's interesting, Paul and Davis. Paul made a great point, which is right now the uh, the white race's greatest threat does come from within. And, and like you said, this faggot who's uh, reading all uh, blaming whites and even worse are these uh, batshit, crazy, weak minded, weak willed, weak spirited, uh, evangelical Zionist Christians who I think I played that clip last week of the white Christian minute. The Jews are better than us. The Jews are above us. And and the stupidity like that uh, butt fuck uh, Mike Johnson who's the uh, the evangelical uh, Zionist Christian who's now Speaker of the House, who like was, was leading a chant of kill them all, kill them all of the native Palestinians. I mean, th that, that, that Caucasian cancer that's metastasizing from within our tribe is the biggest problem we face. I mean, I, if, if, the, if the white boy summer ever takes place, there's no, nothing – any of these other races can do we are the apex predators when we set our mind to it it's just we got to set our mind to it amen yes. brother amen and on that uh about setting our mind to it i have put together the the list of seven kind of propaganda precepts and then with the, it ends with an appeal to sort of externally call it public relations but uh, we should be calling it propaganda to each other so at some future point you know i want to spoil this last opportunity at black history month but at some future point we need to discuss these uh these just a few sort of best practices or precepts and uh, well hey why don't we why, I, I see the list why don't why don't we do it as a tease right now and tie it into how we can uh counter counterman this lunacy of these kikes and these white cuck race traders who are who are championing racial misogynation and the rewriting of history to make uh these uh low iq negroids uh the, the the creators of everything good in civilization which is so laughable let me just say uh you know there's some people who are like oh sports bull i don't get any i never watched that stuff well i'll tell you what you know i grew up my first 30 some years as an excellent athlete played baseball, basketball, football. And when a team is good in the modern world and isn't full of annoying, uh, uh, low IQ niggers, but they actually, you know, play as a team and speak well and their family men and all that. And one of those, those teams right now is where I grew up in the Milwaukee bucks. And I remember when I was a little boy and, and the Milwaukee bucks came to Milwaukee and I got to go to, uh, free basketball day my father took me and my younger brother a year younger than me and we got the and some little coon tried to steal my ball and i chased him down and got my ball back so even then it was around but uh my point being is the last two days the uh, milwaukee bucks were on national tv and it was either a fucking uh black dude or a white chick or an asian dude with a mestizo indian or a drug commercial. Those were constantly buffeted the normies. I mean, it's so disgusting. So just wanted to interject that. Oof. Yes, yes, yes. Well, of course, yes, we have uh, 
the myriad of problems which don't ever seem to entirely go away in America. But uh, I don't know. It seems to me like we need to do something different. And uh, I would think if if perhaps maybe not everyone can agree on everything with a certain tier of social media communicator, which are propagandists in their own right, um, with a certain tier of them and kind of people in our thing, if we were to just get on the same page about a few best practices, I, I just think it could be more effective. I don't think this is like a, a end-all, be-all proposal or anything like that. I think it's just sort of uh, watching this shotgun approach is just, uh, it's so self-defeating. If we were to just take a more tactical or at least understanding what's being done to us, even if we didn't take a more tactical approach, just knowing kind of the propaganda precepts the enemy uses on us, right. it renders a lot of what they do ineffective. And I'll give you an example. I've told Paul this before. So when my kids were younger, they, of course, would watch these children's shows and uh, didn't know if you know this, but obviously they, they advertise to children like endlessly and it's usually yeah. a like sugary treat or cereal or something uh either that or it's some kind of a toy and so like most normal children they would see all these uh baubles and goodies and it would be like you know mommy daddy i want this new thing i saw on on you know whatever show they're watching and the commercial break comes up next thing you know every five minutes it's some new thing they're excited about well we decided to play a game and uh, I just taught him what sugar was, and then I taught him what plastic was. Took him to the kitchen, said, look, here's sugar. Sugar's in all these things that are tasty, but you can't have too much. And then here's plastic. Plastic makes all these things that we like and use. And uh, we went back to the television, and they would be rewarded with praise and sometimes even little goodies myself. We'd play a television game called Sugar or Plastic. And when watching... The television commercials the game became can the child identify if they're trying to sell them sugar or plastic sugar plastic or other and you'd be surprised how quickly the urgency for every new product disappeared okay and i'm just saying that this is an example of how sort of decoding a crypsis or understanding what's being done to you can render a pretty potent process, completely impotent. Okay. So I think this is important just to understand at that level, it'd be even better if we could understand what's being done to us and to the extent possible, do it back. Okay. That's what this proposes. And so the points are, uh, there's going to be some language that maybe is unfamiliar at first, disambiguate, deliver confirmation, not information, horizontally shape beliefs and behaviors through group pressure, things like this. Um, they're, they're a little bit nerdy, maybe, with some help, we can figure out a way to make this list even shorter and catchier. Maybe sure. put all the D's together, like uh, disrupt and control information flow. Put all the D's together. We can make it like D4PHC or something. Whatever. I don't know. But the point is, there's something called disambiguation. This is huge in public relations and propaganda in general. So it makes a predetermined or desirable choice easy for the propaganda recipient, which is the target. Okay. This is done to us all the time. Right. And it's done to us in this way when they paint all the differences in black and white and employ loaded language like virtue and vice words. If you hear that, you know, you're being propagandized, but you right. notice we only tend to get on the same page when some meme has caught fire. I'm suggesting there should be a sort of 
meme a mimetic routine that reinforces certain language you know white rabbit radio did this um and he popularized this idea of the white rabbit sort of being uh you know disappeared uh through all these little cartoons and he used certain language and that was really effective in a in a small group i'm just suggesting that instead of it being like this sort of quirky rabbit and to spread the message you need to have you know like uh, animation skills so that seems limited what i'm what i'm just suggesting is that we sort of get on the same page about employing the language of black and white absolutes too many of us do this big-minded thing where we like um we say well you know the other side has a good point no 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 no, no that has that has to end you, that right. has to go out the window because the only way you win in propaganda is by uh, using black and white absolutes, you personalize events and people in a in a manner where you can personalize your heroes and dehumanize all the antagonists as needed. This is incredibly important. And propaganda is this is like a Jacques Ellul. He wrote a book called Propaganda. This is a uh, a precept of his. He says propaganda is rendered ineffective in a grayscale environment. Where there exists many shades of gray, there exists very little effective propaganda. So in other words, stop conceding anything. Concede nothing. Only put your message forward. Don't start talking to a rabbi uh, like some of these alt-writers do. And they say, well, I could see your point there. No, no, no. Just take what he says, argue back. Give nothing. This has to be, and, and also when you do give anything as a retort, it had better be an emotionally potent oversimplification. It's too much of this. Uh, we're talking to each other. This can be complex, but when we are trying to influence the public, this is why memes are effective in their very format is right. because they're emotionally potent oversimplifications if they work. Okay. Yep. So we need to paint in broad brushes breaking anything that's complicated as a social reality down into sort of a dichotomy, a, a melodramatic struggle between the good guys and the bad guys. And we are the good guys. This has to be done over and over and over again. Um, if anyone, of course you remember this, uh, Saddam Hussein business. Um, <laughs> you know, we had the whole war started for those who don't remember this Gulf war tragedy, which went on and on and on for years. Uh, I think it's half a billion children alone were killed through starvation and bombings. Right. Um, the PR firm Hill and Knowlton invented the story of Iraqi soldiers pulling Kuwaiti babies from incubators, invented it. And this is a PR firm to show you how powerful propaganda and public relations can be. They floated that it lit a fire under America's ass. And next thing you know, we're all screaming to go kill the towelhead. This is how effective well, it is. Some some of us were. I mean, I don't know. Some of us, yeah. Well, I got caught up in that. I'll admit it. I'm not above uh, sort of being influenced by this. Well, I, I heard it, and I was, uh, you know, initially dubious, but you know, and then of course later it was like the, the Kuwaiti ambassador's daughter, whatever. You know, it was a, it's typical yes. shit. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, this uh, this is all good stuff, and it it, it makes uh, complete. A sense i don't think it really needs to be that sophisticated if and when we take power the, the the problem of course i don't have to tell you but it's worth reminding is we're we're subjected to uh to their uh program to their propaganda right to their agenda 
and it has to be uh, the opposite, you know, the other way around. And there's only one way that's going to come about, and it's not going to be it's not going to be winning hearts and minds. It's you know going to take uh, unfortunately uh, de- deactivating a lot of minds and stopping a lot of hearts. And not and not ours, okay? I mean, that's the thing. You know, here's the problem. You know, there's a quote that has been read so many times. I've heard it, and I heard it used this weekend again, okay, about, and supposedly J. Edgar Hoover said it, where, you know, the average American, I forget exactly the, the verbatim, but, you know, is faced with a conspiracy so monstrous that he can't believe it exists, and, you know, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. We've all heard this quote, right? Right. And, and what it made me think of, initially was this also this notion which again the average person cannot go there we can talk about well you know the jews they influence the media and the banking and propaganda in hollywood and there are a lot of politicians they bribe and you know and so forth or they get them compromised with uh you know uh with uh, child pornography all that an average person could wrap their mind around that but what the the normal american cannot do in my opinion this is it's to recognize the fact that the Jews are and have been our mortal enemy, our mortal fucking enemy. And they are doing to us, okay, the kind of things that whatever it is their imagination can think up. And then we end up talking about it later, okay? I mean, when you take a look across the board, right? I mean, the vaccination program, just the most recent agenda, but. I always used to think back to, you know, the Federal Reserve and and what they did, the nerve of these people. I mean, who would actually think about, okay, we're going to, here's what we're going to do. We're going to uh, create money. We're going to conjure money out of nothing. And we're going to tell you that you owe us for that privilege. And you're going to pay us full face value, which actually represents real wealth because you're going to produce for us and we're going to, we're going to get it all. I mean, it's like just the idea that they've, thought this fucking shit up and they pulled it off i mean that and they alone. did they passed it on christmas eve on jekyll island uh when everyone else is thinking about back then holidays were really cool and special and uh, right right vile kikes and paul you sent the picture that i now have on the screen you don't have uh, of a billboard that says you don't have to be a Jew to protect Jews, jewbelong.org. And it reminds me of the other commercial that popped up out of the blue. And I, I'm screaming, I'm giving a double uh, 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 bird to the screen, screaming, fuck you, kikes, again and again, when this article about how the poor Jew is, is hated now, and, and but Jews are great. The, the, I mean, the... the, the <sighs> chutzpah of these vile kikes to uh to 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 try to run as davis pointed out earlier uh, a lying propaganda everything that is wrong with this country comes from some scheme or scam or or machination from a vile kike there is nothing in this country that we deal with today that hasn't been some attack on the white tribe by a vile kike Right. And Every just, single time. Dirty, filthy Jew. Yep. There you, there you go. go. And and just so you guys know, for all you listeners as well, too, this billboard is not more than a couple of miles, maybe at the most three, from where I'm staying currently. It's, oh, uh, it's fairly low to the ground. It's it's actually easily accessible. And 
it, it could be subject to uh, to paint. So I just thought shame. I would yeah, yeah, throw, that, throw that in there. But yeah, just to, to put a wrap, and of course, we're just going to say this over and over. I'm going to say this sort of thing over and over and over again is uh, complexity is not necessarily our friend. Uh, it's of, of interest for intellectual discussion. But the, the simplicity of what we're dealing with really couldn't be, uh, in my opinion, more obvious. It's what Giuseppe always says and what, you know, the kind of things I say. And, of course, you have said as well, Davis, is that we have a mortal enemy that somehow, uh, don't ask me fucking how, we've allowed to control every, uh, shall we say, lever on the machine of our society. I mean, can you imagine? We gave these people control of the issuance of our money. Were we insane? Where were the mobs with the pitchforks and the torches? Okay, Hitler was too kind. That's that's the uh, that's the slogan of my campaign. By the way, Hitler was too kind. Well, agreed. But on that, and now this is uh, I do have something to mention about Mm -hmm. this sort of resonance with the, you know, Hitler, Goebbels, all of this. And uh, as you know, I completely agree with you. Uh, So obviously, Hitler has been written as a as the, the evil of all evils in every history book, this is an absurdity, of course. Uh, and, you know, far from anyone being perfect, I would say he was the most perfect leader this century has ever seen. And, um, but I, I do need to clarify something though, Paul, like you heard the sugar and plastic thing. So I, I, I think what I was saying was even though we may not be able to sort of get everyone on the same page using a bunch of best practices, if uh, we occasionally spend time to sort of deconstruct it with the same labels, I was hoping that the labels would become a commonality to the point where people could be all speaking the same language when they see the the Jew thought control. I know none of you have a problem seeing Jew thought control. Mm-hmm. However, I, I am assuring you there are many, many people who are just one meme away from us. Uh, they have trouble with it. Okay. So I was only That's exactly right. You're absolutely of, right. In terms no. of the audience we want to reach, okay, Wait. and, and oh, go ahead. No, no, don't get me wrong, too, because in my opinion, I'm sure Giuseppe will concur, but, yeah, the, the plastic and sugar thing is brilliant. I mean, it's freaking brilliant, and I, I've done similar things in my life. The, the simplicity, you know, in other words, uh, and, of course, it would be great if that was taught in class. In other words, I would say probably between 7th and ninth grade, maybe 10th grade, this could be taught in a class the way they teach civics, you know, in high school. We could teach, you know, hey, propaganda, you know, Jewish or not, okay, but, you know, of course, it would be great that we could just control the classrooms. But, yeah, this is simplicity. I remember back in the 90s when I first started hearing this uh, diversity is our greatest strength and other nonsense, right? I right. Would, I would just say to people, well, why do we have to be strong? Who are we being? How is it? How does it make us stronger? You know, I, yeah. I knew it was a sales pitch. I, like Giuseppe, you, you've been in sales. I was in sales. I, I recognized right. a, a sales pitch, and I would just go, look, it's some kind of ad campaign. What's the purpose of it? But I, I remember multiple white people, including as recently as like five, six years ago, some guy, my ex-neighbor, fag, by the way, who actually said, because I was going on a little rant, because you guys may find this hard to believe, but I have gone on many rants uh, in public before, like in a coffee no. shop. Or, yeah, with people that I know, I could just I could just pull my switch and I could just start, you know, basically holding court is the way it was phrased a long time ago. Yeah, well, anyway, this, yeah, this, this guy actually says, well, I actually believe that. I go, what? Believe what? The diversity is our greatest strength. And I go, oh, my God. I just remember looking at 
<laughs> and then and then he throws in something that I already knew. I'd never seen his parents. He goes, plus, he goes, plus. Now, he looked totally white, just so you guys know. But he goes, plus, my, uh, I'm, I'm half Mexican because my, you know, my dad was Mexican or whatever. I was like, whatever. Shut up. <laughs> so he's self-serving in his observation. Yeah, you know, and, and the thing is, people people will buy into this. In other words, just just by so Davis is exactly correct. And again, I'm just. I, I, wow. But yeah, you're exactly correct. But just by sheer repetition, they can get people to repeat the most mindless blather. Right. The most recent example is well, uh, you know, social uh, social distancing, six feet apart. Right. I'm keeping you safe. You're keeping me safe, right? I mean, this is whole. Uh. Well, this is why I think it's time for something like this because we've had, uh, you know, the Alex Joneses of the world with his info wars. This is war on for your mind and all this stuff. He's been doing this for years and has never once discussed how to sort of uh, sh steal yourself against, you know, Jewish thought control. And he certainly has never advocated anyone getting on the same page to use their same dirty tricks. Oh, no, no, they're dirty tricks. So we're the good guys, Alex Jones says. We don't do that sort of – we just tell the truth straight out. <laughs> well, Alex, you're going to keep losing, bro, because uh, there's a little something called perception management, okay? And yeah. we don't do that. We just we just go balls to the wall, let it fly, and then we cry about it later. And uh, I'm yeah. absolutely – I'm suggesting something like NJP did a much better job at perception management. It's which is essentially selective interpretation of facts and presentation of your of your ethics. And and you must even if you're advocating something your opposition may find disgusting, you must present your ethics as uh, something as superior. You have superior ethics. You're on the moral high ground. Oh God! I, I was afraid you might say that. Yeah. <laughs> Why? No, no, it's funny because I just I was thinking as I was listening to you processing it at the same time, you know, we all do what we all do, which is listen as best we can. But also it reminds us of stuff. Then we think about what we might say. And uh, yeah, no, Jim Fetzer was not the first person to uh, to disconnect me. You know, I went on a couple of rants at Stormfront and uh, Don Black or whoever was running, you know, the thing that dropped me one time because David Duke came on and he said it more than once. Right. But he, he always mentioned such things as, you know, we have to do things a particular way. We can't do what they do, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. David Duke actually said, we have to maintain the moral high ground. And I just, I fucking had it, right? So it was Oh, wait, wait, I have a clarification when you're done. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, it was one of those trigger. The thing is, I started calling because I got triggered, okay? So I called in and I just, both barrels, I go... There is no goddamn mythical moral high ground. It doesn't exist. I mean, well, what there I, is, Paul. Allow me to clarify, though. What there, okay, what there does ahead. exist, is the appearance of a moral high ground. And I want to be really clear that I called this label perception management. Mm -hmm. It's not called. It's not called perception aligned with reality. It's called perception management. I'm suggesting that we appear to have a moral high ground. I do not care about actual moral high grounds. Okay, what I want to do to most of these people would be considered very immoral by a lot of standards. So this is neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah. What I'm discussing in all seriousness is having a more uh, a more sort of uh, uh, detailed approach to making sure in all cases that you appear like that good guy in black and white and that you're able to stand on an apparent moral high ground and speak down to your enemy. 
you know, I saw a clip of, I know NJP has gone by the wayside, but uh, the work of, of the group still stands. I saw one of the most hilarious things. It was so powerful. I saw Mike Pinovich standing in Washington, D.C. Uh, a week after October 7th. And the Gaza response uh, was really to 80 years of oppression. However, everyone was walking around under the uh, uh, hypnosis that the Jewish response to Gaza's October 7th attack was, uh, you know, justified Israel's right to defend itself, all that. So how do you undo all that propaganda? We had a great example. He stood there, and when Jews approached him, he screamed, baby killers, baby killers. How many babies did you kill today? 23,000 dead Palestinian babies. Just screaming at them on a moral high ground. Mike Pinovich probably doesn't give a high holy fuck about dead brown babies. But what I'll tell you he could do with that is take the apparent moral high ground. And every single IDF-serving kike who came up to him ran away, one girl in tears, and everyone else ran between their tail, tail between their legs because everyone's looking at him going, oh, they're pointing, taking pictures while someone's screaming baby killer. That is how you do it, my man. No, That's no. What I'm telling you. Yeah, you, demonstrate good totally ethics. you don't need to you don't need to believe them. You have to demonstrate good ethics. I'm not saying yeah. believe them. Yeah, okay? no, sure. I mean, I, I, you know, let's face it. We could do this again, too, where I mean, we could be. You and I could play kind of opposites. If you, I think it makes for good uh, back and forth uh, radio. But yeah, I, I completely get what you're talking about, so-called perception management. So in the interim period, I'm, I'm the kind of guy where you know Giuseppe knows where I'm coming from because it's the real world and so forth. So, so you could call me, say the uh, the the spiked baseball bat upside the head, and we could call you perception management. So in between the time we get to the open pits. Uh, you know, or the uh, the plane ride to the volcano. In between that time, we could we could do you know uh, do with the little perception management. I, I support you on that. Okay, but I get behind the chemical shed. That's where I want. <laughs> All right, but to be clear though, it's really important. It isn't either or, Paul. You can be baseball batting, and everyone else can be uh, <laughs> taking perception management approaches. And also, this isn't something we wait to do. I'm not proposing that at all. That'd be an Alex Jones message. When we take over, we're going to do it better. No, no, no. No, I'm saying we do it now to the, the extent we can. And, um, uh-oh, someone better mute themselves. <laughs> I hear all kinds of uh, these trucks backing up and clanking. Paul's at a work site, I think, where Giuseppe's remodeling the bathroom. Nope, that was Paul. Okay. Yeah, the, these microphones, uh, it doesn't really sound that loud to me, but the microphones, as you know, pick up everything. Yeah, they pick up a lot of stuff, yeah. They sure um, do. But, you know, we're, we're taking over Giuseppe's show here. Um, listen, if you got some more clips, Giuseppe, but I would love for you to play the one I just sent to your email with just a, just a couple of minutes is all we're going to need, two to three, of Katie Hopkins and uh, uh, what's, her, what's her name? Candace Owens. Because I think when I watched it, all I could think of is it just illustrates a beautiful point about exactly where we're at and what the problems are. But sure, let me go find that. And by the way, don't apologize. The three of us are co-hosts on this show, and you guys can uh, chit-chat as much as you want because it's highly uh, compelling and highly entertaining. So don't worry about that. I've came back to the media four years ago. How many shows have I done on my own? So uh, people know where I stand. It's more interesting hey, while you're pulling to that hear up, what you guys have to say. So I can't but resist. Uh, <laughs> this is pretty good. Someone named Pale. 
in the chat says, no white guilt says that this sense that we are in the right is part of being white and is essential for us to operate effectively. I think he would disagree with Davis. Okay. I don't care what no white guilt says. Okay. That's the first thing. Okay. He seems like a real strange, I'm not trying to start a fight. He just seems a little off to me. There's something off about this guy. If we all found, I'm going to challenge you, everybody. If we all found out that no white guilt uh, was tying up prostitutes, putting them in his trunk and driving them out to burial. <laughs> none, none of us would be surprised. We'd be like, oh yeah, there was something about that guy. Okay. I'm just saying that I'm not taking any advice from no white guilt. Okay. This guy couldn't keep a relationship with the friendliest dude in white nationalism. He couldn't stay friends with Mark Collette. Okay. That dude is dysfunctional. Okay. Uh, so right. anyway, I'm not taking anything. What? You just write in your own words. Don't tell me what no white guilt says. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm a spectator in this. I'm not saying anything. like. That. I'm looking at this chat here and it talks about. Well, I was, was going to say, while Giuseppe's finding this clip, I would just let the audience know and you guys. Uh, so, yes, um, I know what maybe some of the people in the audience may think or not. I, I don't have a college degree. I'm probably the only one on this panel that does not. But I have actually read books. So despite my brutish knuckle dragging talk. Uh, I, I can't actually relate to the concepts that somebody like Davis uh, opines. And uh, so, you know, Paul, let me ask you a question: Did you intend for uh, when I loaded the clip? It's starting at about three thirty-seven. Is that? Did you already place it for me, or do I need to? Uh, oh, you know that may have been where I stopped, uh, and because you know the way YouTube holds for you. Uh, right, right. You I mean, so we want to go back to the beginning. Yeah, I get roughly. Yeah, but the first oh, few minutes. Prager, you're you. Oh, brother. Go, uh, Pra Prager, Prager is just. It's, I just hang on. You're gonna. We all know who these people are. Most of us. We certainly know who Candace Owens are. I've recently become right. acquainted with uh, Katie Hopkins because she's all over the place, which is a little telltale anyway, but go ahead because oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's worth commenting on all of us. Okay. So, uh, let's, it's, let's... it's, it's an object lesson in our predicament. All right, here we go. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we are rolling into another episode of the Candace Owens show. And I am so excited about the guests that I have in today. Love um, you, Candace. I first saw this person speaking in Palm Beach, Florida. And to this day, I say that the speech that was given remains the most impactful speech in my political career in terms of inspiring me um, uh, to really get concerned about American politics and the direction in which um, the American discourse is treading. And ironically, this person is not American to make Diversity me feel so patriotic. Katie Hopkins, also known as the biggest bitch in Britain. I know, it's quite rude. Quite it's rude. It's quite rude, given that I'm actually kind of small. You are quite small. Yeah, and so I got this kind of reputation for being a monster. And so when people meet me, they're always kind of disappointed by how... Kind of got a little Jewish face there because too, I met Katie. you, I met you, and I was small. I was a small fish in a big pond. You were much, much bigger than me. And I always actually judge people by how they treated me then. Um, because some people were incredibly rude and dismissive and other people were so friendly and you were the nicest person in the entire world. Oh, and gave you were you were supposed to be evil. You you are supposed to be evil. You're blowing this for me, Candace. Yeah, and you So I'm gonna pause him for a second.
I've never heard of this woman, Katie Hopkins, but it looks like she has a nice Jew beak right there. So pretty uh, filthy Jew. Yeah, a little, a little, a little, t a little taste of Barbara Streisand in that face, but yeah, well, but that that's not really the point. So uh, another minute or two is all we need, okay. and then we actually gave just an incredible speech that really moved me. Um, and at this time, Brexit had not the, had not yet taken place, mm -hmm. and you talked about sort of just the deterioration of your country over time. You served your country. I want to talk about. I want to start there and and talk about why you were on American soil you know, trying to get Americans to realize how important this fight was yeah. uh, for the values of their country. So I'd spent quite a bit of time, I guess, on the road years back now, warning Americans to not become like Britain, you know, do not fall as we have fallen. I was, we were, Britain is a long way down a dark road that I didn't want American to come anywhere near. And so I guess when you and I probably first made contact, it was way back then when I'd started warning people don't become like Britain. And, and the kind of strangeness of that message is that I'm a massive patriot. I went through university and I was sponsored by the Intelligence Corps. My father says I must have got someone else's offer because I couldn't have got that on my own. And then I went through the Royal Military Academy, Sandhurst. Okay, so that's um, more or less enough. Um, officer in the British Army and was given a 35-year regular commission in the intelligence corps so that was the plan was 35 oh, years intelligence corps serve my country so i love my country mm -hmm. but okay. to get to a point then when you're going to america to warn people not to become like my country is perfect kind of stop stop right there um, and for various right. okay so this theme goes on for a little bit and here's the here's the here's the important part all right not to become like britain right so what is she referring to? Now, I did listen to a little bit more, but, you know, of course, you can listen to the whole thing, which I haven't done, and I'm certain it won't be worth anything. But you notice the theme right away about the wrong direction, okay? Not to become, not to, you know, basically England has fallen. Now, I've heard her many other times. She's all over, you know, TikTok and, you know, Twitter and, you know, whatever. And, of course, all these little YouTube shorts that she's being promoted, obviously, by some sort of algorithm. And uh, she's very... She's very edgy, funny. You know, she's got the classic potty mouth, which of course just gives me the tip off of, of Jew. You know, I don't right. know about I don't know about you guys. I don't mind a woman with a little sauce, a little pizzazz, a little spice, but sure. to to have a toilet mouth uh, is undignified for a white woman, in my opinion. And of course, what's the what's the unspoken thing here? And it will be continually unspoken. There's all these conservatards. You know, oh, Candace Owens. You know, she's of course, based conservative black woman. Look at her face, for God's sake. You know, she has a total Aryan face. Oh, I, would yeah. imagine, I would imagine she probably doesn't even have to straighten her hair, right? She's a mulatto. Exactly. I mean, she's so half it's, white. I believe it's Octoroon is the name. Uh, yeah, she's, she, nice, she's probably nice black or whatever. Yeah, she's probably even more than half if that's uh, possible. And I believe it is with multiple. I'm saying Octoroon is, one eighth, is just one eighth. Iterations, but but again, here's the thing, and you guys could, could just weigh in here because I'm you know almost done with my little rant. But what they don't talk about, and I'm sure they won't talk about, it, I'll go back and listen to more of it. But this is what's wrong with anything that doesn't name the Jew, that doesn't name the problem. Now, whether she's Jewish or not is your guess because I went on, I looked up, I went to Jew, not a Jew, I went to all these different sites, and of course, I looked up her bio or history. And it's absolutely, totally suspicious, but this is what they do to us because they're in control, 
All right. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that can guide the narrative. They can manage the perceptions. And what are they talking about? Oh, don't go down the road of Britain, which is what? It's this going to be this conservative liberal crap. It's going to be, oh, it's the Labour Party versus the whatever fucking party they have in Britain. Right. And no, that's why I have no patience anymore with anybody, politician or not, who doesn't name the obvious problem. Why has Britain fallen? Why are they allowing so many millions of these non-whites into their country? Who's behind that agenda? Right. Of course, that will never be spoken about by one Katie Hopkins, who when you read about her and you can see all kinds of clips, she's she gets a lot of hate, including from Jewish groups. There's a lot of Jewish groups are, are hating on her because she's so, quote, racist because she's very mm. anti-muslim and anti-diversity but again this is like i said the object lesson if you will as simple as it is that this is just another iteration of conservative versus liberal right versus left bullshit versus bullshit so what's amazing is this show we're now minutes into it and no one can really discern what it's about it, this show could be called Beating About the Unshaven Bush, <laughs> okay, because these two broads these two broads are sitting there talking around, beating around the bush. No one yeah. has just said, we're talking about filthy immigrants ruining our country. They've not even said that. Right. Forget naming exactly. the Jew. They've not right. even named what the problem is. Describe the conditions you are addressing. No one knows what your people are talking about, and it's done. This is great. It's done through the mouthpiece of a negress. And what is very likely a perfidious, filthy mouth kike. This yep. is what you get, conservatards. <laughs> this is but, your heroes. <laughs> Davis, you know what's so cool about your insight is that she's essentially, don't make the mistake of Britain, which is the white indigenous population saying we don't want the invasion by these uh, 70 IQ blacks and browns. That's her real message, right? And and so probably. Oh, no, no. Our message, I bet, is going to be we want legal immigration. Okay, thanks, Hopkins. Great. Yeah, there you go. Thanks, yeah. Katie Hopkins. And the last name Hopkins, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but Johns Hopkins, you know, the guy, with he was kike. And so the name Hopkins is uh, likely some uh, anglicized version of a Jewish Absolutely, name. Absolutely. Yep. Much like Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland's real name, look it up, 1910, his family Garfinkel. changed his name from Garfinkel. So he's just another kike, and this one is probably... Yep. Hopkanovitz or some kind of shit like that. Hopkins. Oh, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Meanwhile, here's I was gonna say here's another gem that we gem we can get on YouTube, by the way. This is part of my all my saved tabs. Is I have not watched this one, but I will a little bit. But it's the SS Hitler's fanatical killing machine, part oh. one. <laughs> so part one, full documentary. Uh, so who knows how long it is. Oh, now wait a second, Paul. This reminds me of something I've got to get back to when when we fully uh, discussed the clips. I, I do want to get back to something because mm -hmm. we made reference to sort of the uh, the rights understanding of, of Hitler and Goebbels' place in history and propaganda, but how I, I didn't get to discuss the way we ought to handle that because of the reaction of our target population. You know, they have a knee-jerk reaction. They hear Goebbels and they think propaganda and they think it's bad propaganda. So uh, I have something to address that later, but I don't want to get off topic. I just want to be reminded and type myself a note here also. Socratic inquiry. So now... Propaganda. <laughs> no, no, seriously, this is important. Propaganda would not be effective in the um in the phone calls they might take 
or perhaps in the message board related to that show we're watching with a negress and what is very likely a perfidious kike sitting there. That wouldn't be effective. What would be effective is bombarding the chat or social media with the show ongoing, just Socratic inquiry. What do you mean? What are you talking about? Just say the word. What do you mean? What do you mean? When they say, well, the way the English have handled immigration, you have to keep drilling down. What do you mean? What do you mean? No one knows what you're talking right. about. Exactly. How did they handle it? Why did you want a Brexit? And you just keep hammering, hammering, hammering. And that's part of the moral high ground. The moral, by the way, there's an assumed moral high ground when someone is discussing a large change and you just have nothing but questions. There's an assumed moral high ground because you are making the audience understand that whoever's trying to convince you of something hasn't even explained it. This is really powerful. And that's part of the whole you know, we got Socratic inquiry. We've also got Aristotle's rhetorical triangle thingy with the ethos, logos, pathos. We need to start using that too, like use the stool. And we tend to be a little bit too intellectual. We should make people properly angry and then guide that anger towards something that we want. Well, you'll forgive me if I occasionally go back to, you know, my, my, my default position of Beavis and Butthead. When I, when I hear such things as the Socratic method and uh, Aristotle logos pathos, uh, and uh, no, it's all uh, it's all well understood and well taken. Here's just for the fun of it, uh, you know, and we can leave this topic if you like. But I just in part of my so so called research on Katie Hopkins, so I went to JewishNews.co.uk, right? And here's some of the headlines from Jewish News because apparently there's some Jewish people got a problem with Katie Hopkins. Forgive that noise. Sorry about that. Uh, because she's too, she's too racist. Here's here's a, here's one of the headlines. Jewish Jerusalem deputy mayor urged to resign after supporting Katie Hopkins. <laughs> okay. Here's another one. It says Katie Hopkins locked out of Twitter after you know blah 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 comments. Then another one says Israeli city pulls screening of Katie Hopkins film on Jewish exodus. So just so you know, one of the points that Katie Hopkins has made, while not I have not run across her being overtly Jewish or claiming Jewish heritage, but you can mm -hmm. see other photos of her where that face and that nose is highly suspicious. Suspicious is she actually has claimed that the Muslim invasion of Europe and Britain is driving out the Jews. Okay, oh, that's her angle. Yes, no, she support. Okay, so this is one of the reasons why. Of mm -hmm. course, this is just one of many things she she hates about the the you know the invasion. She, oh, she has many Muslims. Yeah, it's it's causing a Jewish exodus, which of course is interesting uh, if it's true. But here's another one: Katie Hopkins links Pittsburgh massacre to chief rabbi's support for refugees. And this article has got a great picture of her. She's kind of got her head cocked at a certain angle, and she couldn't look more Jewish than that. But anyway, imagine that she apparently says that. Well, maybe, and of course we we all know here. I think that the Pittsburgh fake mass shooting was fake just like just like that billboard of uh, fake and gay was pink i forgot right. to point that out earlier i don't know if you remember davis you and i one time were on with richard carey and i believe mike sledge was on the show at the same time it was you and i and mike sledge and richard carey back when i was uh i had not fallen out of favor over there at rbn and uh you guys went back and forth, and I, I was uh, obviously I was participating in the show, but it was you and Mike Sledge were talking about everything is fake and gay, okay? Whatever it was, politics, you know, the la the latest news story, the kind of what some white people were doing is fake and gay, fake and gay. And when you think about uh, like oh, 
What's this? I'm looking at the screen. I, just, I did not join the USR. I got you. I love that. I, huh? Excuse, sorry, uh, listeners. I was uh, looking at the computer screen and I broke uh, broke the uh, the cadence of my rant there. I think I was done. You guys get it. It's uh, it's it's an absurdity. Here's this woman who's to me obviously a Jew. She's got a lot. She's got a big platform and a big megaphone. And what's she talking about? The Muslim invasion. Hmm. Right. But where did it come from? Why is it occurring? Why are yeah. not? Why aren't the laws being enforced? Just like well, what? there's an American kike. His name is Robert Spencer. I've, I'm on his email list to follow. And it's very insidious because he's constantly anti-Muslim, blaming Muslims for the, everything. And, and uh, excuse me. Woo, COVID. Woo, I got the COVID. <laughs> and uh, and uh, um, it's the same trick, right? The, the guy, the, Spencer's a vile kike. And he... he acts like he's championing uh white america and he's not he he's he's championing uh the jew takeover which is pretty much a done deal these days so. mm -hmm. well i do want to i do want to point out real quick um this idea of i understand how silly <laughs> i understand how silly bringing up socratic inquiry sounds I'm, I'm trying to find a way that we can get our hands around sort of easily uh disseminated uh tools that's really what i'm trying to do and so i'm i am open to uh changing any of these and just sort of hammering something out do you remember how powerful this accidental meme came about uh not only by the way every single time is a great meme and that was completely organic but that could have been crafted 10 years earlier and we'd be in a much different place you see my point in the power of using propaganda and public relations effectively well do you remember agree and amplify yeah it's a great way to defeat someone in an argument um right because you can you can simply take aspects of what they'd said uh reframe them to agree with them and then amplify what your message is okay and uh you'll often see politicians do this in a ham-fisted way well they're they answer a question with one of their platform ideas and had nothing to do with the question, right? Okay, so we've seen this before, but not only is uh, this notion of agree and amplify important, but if you if agree and amplify had a child with the Socratic inquiry, uh, it would be called deliver confirmation, not information. This is something that youthful people listening to us, I think if they heard this earlier in life, they'd have a better understanding of all this. Most people in the world, this is going to shock you, not you listening uh, here in the chat, but most other people out there, most people do not want information, okay? They want confirmation. This is shown to us every day in the books they choose and the media they consume. When people know what they're getting when they go to like Rachel Maddow or they go to whatever, go to Fox, they know they're getting a product, okay? So knowing this about people, instead of screaming at the sky, why don't people want to hear the truth blah, blah, just take conditions as they are. These are the facts on the ground, quote unquote, for us. People want confirmation, not information. So we need to be crafting our messages so it resonates with what's already in people's heads in terms of their values and beliefs. This is why I state you must take the appearance of the moral high ground. This goes against everything edgy meme makers believe in. But I'm telling you there'd be a way to make memes where you just hack off 
the most um, like sort of confounding. Hack off the most conf uh, confounding <laughs> or insulting aspect of it. Polish it. Make both memes. Give some memes to people you know that laugh. Give the rest of the memes to people who will uh, accept them. You got to pivot off your existing values and beliefs of your audience. So no, what I'm trying to say is we know there's a slippery slope. Kikes use this slippery slope all the time. They tell us, oh, you're not going to slip. You're not going to slip. And then they grease the fucking slope and down we go. Oh, it's just uh, two people love each other. So it's just, again, we call it gay marriage. Next thing you know, you've got trannies reading to kindergartners. Okay. So what I'm stating to you is we need to know this is slippery slope. So we must understand how to grease it. Well, you know, I think Sean Strickland said it best in his press conference when I think he said, what, t 10 minutes ago, uh, it was a mental illness. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if, you recall, if you recall that. Hey, so not to get too far afield here. Um, so Giuseppe, do you have any more uh, Black History Month type clips to play as time slips uh, away here? Uh, it, it is a bare Catholic? Does the Pope shit in the woods? Of course. <laughs> well, let's do it. I mean, if you, want, if, you, if you wanted to. You know, yeah, no, can. no. I have a couple that are a little bit more. I got to tell you, there's two, two, well, three giants of the fake, uh, deep fake uh, tools, which are early adopters. Of course, the Great Flood, who's in the, in the Odyssey chat, along with White uh, is Right, blood, along blood, with uh, Nick Night Nation Review. So all the cool kids are in Odyssey. That's, I'm, um, uh, we're honored to you guys checking us out. But uh, the other guy who's really good is Black Crimes Matter. And I, I am a big fan of all those oh, guys, man. but I've got uh, I've got a good uh, uh, Black Crimes Matter that's just really inspirational. And this one's called the Didn't Do Nothing uh, Debate. Public speaking, discourse, and debate. Many African-American speakers have delivered important speeches from Lizzo to Louis Farrakhan to Michelle Obama. Now more speakers of color are following in their legacy by joining debate teams in their communities, learning how to use their voices against social and racial injustices. Nigga ass bitch, who skank nigga? Who bitch? Nigga who ass skis a trick ass nigga stank? Ho nigga ass nigga. No, you no. didn't, bitch. Ho, nigga, stank ass. ass. Ho, bitch, skank, nigga. Ho, ass, bitch, stank, nigga, bitch, ass. Ho, nigga, nigga, nigga bitch. I am so encouraged by these students. I mean, that was amazing. <laughs> so that guy, he's got a great sense of comedic timing, and he is just, just really good. Oh, that's just great. Wow. Hey, so... <laughs> Just for the fun, but on a related matter, you know, you're talking about uh, memes, right, and and uh, all these other things, perception management. I would like to give a call out to because I'm not one of these creative types. I can't create these these great illustrations. But I, I'm thinking about if anybody out there could take on this project, I would I would offer a reward for the best uh, entrance. We'll call it for the moment. How about $250, Giuseppe? So $250 payment to anybody out there that can come up with a great sort of Ben Garrison-esque illustration of the kikes on pikes with the severed Mexican heads on a pole holding the little Mexican-American flag in their hand on the border. 
and <laughs> and maybe and maybe some alligators swimming in the Rio Grande right next to it. I I'm just thinking of kind of a gradual, you know, sand bank or mud bank with a you know a little scrub brush, maybe some small trees with you know on the border and it would be the the the, the impalement, you know, pikes with oh. you know, yeah, I think hey, it would be great. Call. Can they yeah, add four inch? Can they add four inch artery puncturing barbed wire? I would love that in there. Yeah. Well, you know, they, yeah. I mean, you know, be create, be creative out there. But this is actual serious offer to somebody that submits a valid artistic, uh, you know, some sort of a like I said, cartoon illustration uh, meme that we could uh, post on this site and other sites. You know, uh, just don't forget the artery puncturing barbed wire. That's really important. Okay. All right. Well, that's 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 your thing. I I, I, per, I personally prefer the the alligator moat. And uh, well, anyway, we saw what that guy, uh, whatever his face was, did in that hearing, uh, the so-called impeachment hearing for uh, Mayorkas, where he said, "This is what Trump really wants to do." And I'm thinking, well, this is what half of America wants to do: <laughs> bomb northern Mexico and uh, put alligators, and you know, create a moat and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, back to the show, as they say, with more blackness, if you don't mind. I will note, well, Paul, that you're terribly disagreeable today because you keep saying one or the other. I'm suggesting both alligators <laughs> and artery puncturing barbed wire. <laughs> okay, sure. I have no objection. <laughs> Here's another uh, clip. It's a little long, but we'll watch a couple of minutes of it. Another clever fella on the internet for several years is this fella, Mr. Metocure, M-E-T-O-K-U-R. Oh, Metocure, yeah. And uh, here's a clip of his that's We Was Kangs. So we'll watch a few minutes of this. Can easily name just a few contributions black people have made to our country? Probably not. It's that time of year again. It is officially February, the shortest month of the year. And I can think of no better time than now to honor black history. Now, I'm sure you white devils, you pale-faced demons that are listening are used to the lies and the propaganda that is spread on this most sacred and holy of months. But it is my duty. It is the job I have set forward for myself to expose you to the real history of the superior black race. You need to learn the truth, and I'm here to help facilitate that. We're not going to cover the whitewashing of history, the civil rights movement, Malcolm X, Medgar Evers, Martin Luther King Jr. Get that white propaganda out of here. We're going to be dealing with the truth, the real history of the world, the history that has been kept locked away and hidden from you for far too long. You need to know, and I need to get the word out there. But before we get going, I need to unburden myself. The guilt is killing me. I just, I can't live with the lies and the deception anymore. This image was not drawn by my girlfriend Jade. It's a lie. It's part of my white supremacy to cover up the truth. It has been painted over, much like world history. This image was originally drawn by a strong Nigerian artist named Ubangu Atani. And I need you to see the truth because I can't live with it anymore. You know what they say, the first step is always the hardest. Physician, heal thyself. So let me heal myself now by showing you the truth. Much better. So let's start our journey of discovery with one of the bigger cover-ups over the last few millennia. I'm talking about Jews. Now, most people think they know what a Jew is. They would be wrong. That is not a Jewish person. That is an imposter. That is somebody who is trying to actively deceive you. The real Jews are the black Israelites. Black people are born Jews. I'm Jewish. What is no, you're not. Italo Yehudi. He loved Jacob. Who's Jacob? The so-called Negro Latinos and Native Americans and the Seminole Indians. That is some compelling evidence. You heard him. Native Americans, Latinos, and blacks are the real Jews. Not those imposters in Israel. 
Now, the black Israelites are out there preaching their message of tolerance every single day. Death to all you crackers, man. That's right. And all you so-called white people, you punk faggots, you going into slavery, all right? We're going to destroy you, man. By the way, all you so-called white ones, you're going to get brutally raped down here. That's right. And all you so-called Asians, you're going into slavery, all right? That's right. Now, some of you white devils might be having some difficulty understanding this. You might be asking yourselves, where do I fit in? Where is my history in comparison to the true Israelites, the Native Americans, Latinos, and blacks? Well, I'm going to let Mike Tyson explain it for you. Call them Neanderthal. Yep. You Neanderthal? Because it's white man, that's all he is. You a caveman, man. Caveman. You a caveman that stole everybody's history, stole everybody's uh, the way of living, and then combined it all together and said it was yours. And if that wasn't clear enough, I'll let his compatriot expand on it a little bit more. What well, says in the scriptures, God do hate. Yep. And, right. and, that, and that's not the only thing he hates. He hates many things in the scriptures, man. Yep. He hates Esau. Who's the Esau? He's the progenitor of the so-called white race, man. Well, there you have it, white devil. Now we know the truth. Well, white devils, I guess that's enough. That guy's very clever. Clever and that's, and really that's good. Really... Indeed. Yeah, that was good. Well, and here, here's the thing. It's always good to hear stuff like that, which I, I really I can't stand it. It just I get this visceral reaction. But a lot of white people are completely naive to this sentiment, which is out there. And I think we all recall, you know, uh, shall we say the the probably the grandest even though i'm i know it was illustrate uh shall we say orchestrated the grandest illustration of this was the oj simpson verdict where uh, right. they just happened to have cameras placed how, how convenient at uh, various places where it was like all white people gathered listening waiting for the verdict and then all black people gathered listening for the verdict and i don't really think you had to coach them on that reaction i really do think that was authentic mm -hmm. You know that's that's kind of slipped under the the uh, into the uh, the river of history, and people don't look at that. We should uh, do a show about that. That was such an obvious whitewash of justice, and all the whites got that he did it, and all the blacks were like, "But it, it, every poor oppressed black man, he's he he needs to be found innocent to champion every poor oppressed black man." And it's just like what. I mean, I, unbelievable. And I see that as, and I firmly believe it was, a psychological operation. There are totally, that, totally. There are people that have questioned the authenticity of the whole case, and it makes for a very interesting read, by the way. Miles Mathis did a paper on uh, OJ, and it was some people would consider it to be the most far-fetched. I'm not sure that I do, okay? So I, I, I'm open to it. There are certain things that he's done, certain papers he's written where I, I have zero doubt because the research is so solid. The photographic analysis is so spot on. You just can't, you can't really doubt it, but there's no doubt what took place there. And it was what they're doing now, what they've been doing for a long time, which is the demoralization. Okay. In other words, it's like this outrage porn combined with learned helplessness slash demoralization, where it was a gut punch to whites. Right. Yep, I mean, right. obviously this guy was a, a double murderer at the minimum. Okay. And a supposed like before that, a wife beater, a philanderer, you know, just the worst kind of nigger, right? This is the this is the sickening thing of of white women going for black because it's not a lie what they say that that little thing that you always play, Giuseppe, where you know he will he will abandon you, he will beat you, he will do this, he will do do that, and you deserve it all, okay? Because you're a race trader, and this is the the great secret 
of the black male as a husband and father and so forth was, in my opinion, uh, revealed with the slap in the face with OJ. And then, of course, the verdict again was, hey, nobody is on our side. Okay, it's just us. Well, I put on the screen, and I agree with everything you said, by the way, and this will lead into today. Uh, a, a journalist uh, writer for Mike Mike Adams, the Health Rangers Natural News site, the headline, ludicrous colon, black lawyer wants to legalize crimes to eliminate them, open quote, because criminal behavior is just black culture. Give me a fucking break. So if we move on and we can read the lead. No, a prominent black lawyer actor, activist, activist suggest suggest suggested, suggested that... that why am I suddenly uh, feeding back? That's weird. Weird. Uh, let me mute Davis. I think sometimes Davis. A prominent black lawyer activist suggest suggested legalizing crime to totally eliminate it. He said that blacks are are all just criminals at heart and that crime is just black culture. So evidently in an appearance on MSNBC's Black History and Culture special title, Black Man in America Road to 2024, on February 4th, civil rights attorney Ben Crump played pool with MSNBC contributor Charles Coleman Jr. and civil rights activist the Reverend Al Sharpton as they discussed police brutality and the Biden administration's justice system. Open quote. We can get rid of all the crime in America overnight. Well, let me say it in the proper accent. We can get rid of all the crime in America overnight, just like that, Crump told his fellow uh, uh, Negroes. And people asked, how, Attorney Crump? Change the definition of crime. He added that if one gets to define what conduct is going to be made criminal, then one can predict who the criminals are going to be. They made the laws to criminalize our culture, black culture. Unbelievable. I mean, that is is. Fucking niggers. That's well, all I can say. Fucking as, niggers. As, as unbelievable as it is, we all know that they're doing it. I mean, right, it's, right. It's it's a, in many ways a, a fait accompli, and or this is why there's all this so-called uproar. Which I'm, in my opinion, it's going. It's your typical uh, Jew battle plan, which has been implemented for a very long time. They will push two, three, four steps uh, forward, willing to take a step or step and a half back. And then let it let it settle down, and then re re up again. You know, restart the program, which is like propose the most outrageous things, do the most outrageous things, weather the backlash. Okay, take a step back, but meanwhile they've gained a step and a half or more, and they'll take a momentary reaction. People will let it let it die down in their minds and, and their emotions, and then boom, right back with the program. Push, 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 push. Nobody would have ever guessed if you. If I said to you, Giuseppe, or your parents, or anybody 40, 50 years ago, that we would be in this position we're in now, nobody would have believed it. But here we are. Davis, your thoughts? Well, indeed, Paul makes a very good point. This is how it is done, and it's done with this sort of uh, chutzpah-fueled way that they just take that moral high ground, tell you what's what, give you what for, and you're left uh, like a rape victim laying in an alley and they say oh, oh and then they come back oh is it something terrible was done to you let's discuss this and then they propagandize you about how the rape that happened was actually a very good thing this is called uh strength through diversity and this was this was a matter of democracy after all the rapists agreed it was time to rape you so this is how it goes 
So he right, makes a very right. good point. And we need to be cognizant of all this because sometimes we need to make daring approaches and then have fallbacks. Uh, we're not in the position that the controllers are, obviously. They're in a position to do whatever they want, whenever they want. And frankly, they just backfill whatever decision's been made with serious and copious amounts of propaganda. We don't have that advantage. So that's why I'm suggesting the only tool we could give to people coming up in this thing and those that have maybe uh, run out of ways to sort of decode what's happening to them is just let them know what's happening. It, it'll become much less powerful when you see that, oh, look, they've just gone and made a decision and now they're going to propagandize me for years about it. You know, that's the whole Smith month thing, by the way, which was uh, a terribly important in America. Uh, well, so well, yeah, that's I, all I have to say about that. And I'm not in a position to mimic it, but we're in a position to deconstruct it. Right. And I, I would just tweak that a little bit when we say we let them know what's happening and also comma and we put a battle axe and a spiked bat in their hands, get them really pissed off. Because, see, as I mentioned before, this is, as, you know, as uh, how should I say, uh, the best sort of analysis I can apply to with the terms already used, such as uh, demoralization. Right. As well as learned helplessness. And also we're being desensitized to it all. I mean, when you think about what's occurring now with the millions upon millions pouring across our border and obvious that our government is not just, quote, allowing it, but they're complicit in it. But you can be sure that it's going to be the the, the blame or the baton is going to be passed to all these NGOs who are clearly violating the law. Right. I mean, I think we all heard about some story that Fox News is re reporting like 200 to illegal aliens were released somewhere in San Diego in front of the border patrol did it because they, they couldn't process them. And then a lot of them immediately went to some NGO, which is going to help, you know, get them to where they want to go and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking to myself, well, if an NGO is helping these people who are here illegally and helping them to go different places and get settled and, you know, showing them, you know, I mean, it's like, shouldn't that be, isn't that illegal? can't these NGOs be prosecuted? So the, anyway, the, com the complete and total takeover. Uh-oh, getting a reverb. Huh. I don't anyway. hear any. Okay. I do when I'm, when I'm speaking for whatever reason, but anyway, you got, you guys got the picture. The bottom line is this is we can, we can talk all we want about this problem. We all know what it is and we all know what needs to happen because they uh, are getting bolder and bolder and bolder. And as I mentioned, I don't see this any other way than they're just putting the finishing touches on their program. And uh, Joe Biden, Donald Trump, uh, you know, Gavin Newsom, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, for God's sake, none of that shit is going to matter. Yeah, faking game. Yeah, but I mean, let the. I don't think we have hammered this enough that these stupid blacks are playing pool and claiming, and it's being broadcast on MSNBC, which is just a ridiculously low-watched, commie, libtard, uh, uh, traitorous, uh, uh, gaslighting propaganda outlet. But these three coons are actually claiming that the only reason that uh, blacks are going to jail on record numbers for violent crimes, violent mayhem violent murder violent rape is because the laws don't take into account that that's black culture that is so beyond fucking ridiculous it's i mean you're talking about 
you know, Escape from New York or or, or Mad Max Dystopia. I mean, well, Giuseppe, only... go ahead. I was going to say, don't you remember, and I'm sure Davis does as well. I mean, he's around our age, although I'm actually not sure uh, how old he is, and he, he doesn't have to tell us. But I remember in the late 70s, the late 70s, early 80s, hearing, reading newspaper stories about all these guys that were arrested and they had, quote, a lengthy criminal record. I remember back then, 40 years ago, hearing about the revolving door of the justice system and how they would get in. It was always the same story about overcrowding. It's the same lather, rinse, repeat over and over again. It's so-called cultural Marxism. Judaism, and this is what they do, which is to destroy right. whatever society they enter into. Right. Well, here's what's important, though. Now, we, we know that's true, but I think to offer something new, because we do know that this is a recurring problem, we can, we can analyze it just as you did, perfectly legitimate. However, I think it might be important if people understand maybe what all this is rooted in. In the late 80s, in education, there was a uh, a propaganda push for black self-esteem and the self-esteem movement was pervasive all through the nineties and then was piggybacked by multiculturalism. They were teaching all students, white, black, and otherwise like Kwanzaa, a, a month of Kwanzaa studies, which is that Dr. Mulana Karanga. So the fake doctor, FBI informant, Dr. Mulana Karanga, uh, it like invented this whole cloth with the intelligence services and they thought it would give blacks a way to kind of separate shunt off from white society and make them more isolated, really make them as a better wedge against the whites. This is how blacks are used. Blacks are a blunt tool to beat whites upon the head with. It's to drive whites out, drive down their property values. The kite comes in, buys it all up, black rock otherwise. And then they move the nigger somewhere else. This is how it works. If if you had the power to do zoning, by the way, you could make yourself like a multimillionaire in the course of five years. All you got to do is just move the blacks to where all expensive houses are, put up a big section eight house, go in and buy all the houses because you know damn well you're just going to move the blacks back out and sell the houses at premium. It's that simple. But I think this needs to be, the track record of this needs to be seen because those people who are saying those things and believing those stupid things, Giuseppe, this all goes back to cultural, uh, culturally sensitive teaching, which was born in like 1997, culturally sensitive instruction. And this meant that no matter what the black did in the classroom, you had to take his race into account and say, well, that's just part of their culture. So Daquan whacked little white Julie with his sneaker. And Daquan says, all I done was smack her with my sneaker. And he doesn't understand because you need to come to understand the black culture. And black culture, they just whack each other with sneakers. See, you're culturally insensitive. So this is how you can come to the absurd point you can go from modern to now the postmodern approach to Negroes is, well, they're just doing all this bad shit because it's part of the culture. Yeah. And you're supposed to adopt to that. And the reason that there's a pathway in the brain to adopt such an absurdist philosophy is because they were taught from the beginning in the classroom that black self-esteem, black culture all needs to be taken into account. If they just had higher self-esteem, they wouldn't be doing these things. They gave up on that, moved to multiculturalism and told you, no, you need culturally sensitive instruction. And so now you're all part of the culturally sensitive instruction that was adopted 
uh, by 2000. And then, of course, by 2000s, you had the whole Bill Gates whole language absurdity with the math done all crazy. This has all been an assault upon your brains. So I'm not surprised at all we see stupid people adopting stupid things and believing them like they're gospel. Yeah. Oh, great rant. Paul, your thoughts? Yeah, well, you know, that could all be summed up uh, by just a few words, which is the niggerization of our culture. And even some of the most, uh, you know, shall we say, blunted, blunted white minds can get around that. They all know about nigger behavior, nigger language, nigger dress, nigger criminality. So therefore, niggerization of our culture uh, is, uh, you know, the... Uh, the blue collar way to communicate what's occurring. And uh, I was made aware of this back in the nineties and I could, I could see it then and talk about self-esteem. Now, now we have their, uh, their, oh, their usual delusional overinflated opinion of themselves. Okay. And Tommy Sotomayor couldn't be more correct. I, by the way, Giuseppe, I'd never seen that clip before that particular clip of him. And he's one of those people. He gets it. He sees the vile nature of a good segment of his own people. Right. And I think he, you know, he's pissed about it. And, you know, who sure. could who could blame him? There's so many clips I didn't send you. I, I, I as you know, I freely share uh, by text, my email, multiple things I come across. But I probably only send you 10 or 15 percent of what I could send. Well, sure. Uh, because these people, they literally have no idea of how vile they are because they really, <laughs> because they've That's never been told. You know, this is the yeah. thing is there's such a thing as have you no shame, right? You're, you're not raised with manners and dignity. And that's because they haven't been raised with manners or dignity. They've been told that the most, the lowest guttural vile elements of their behavior, of their culture are okay because it's part of who they are. And that's the insane part. Some blacks get that, but most do not. Well, I can't believe what I'm about to say. I'm putting a position here where it's going to sound like I'm defending black people. I'm not. But this is how shitty Jews are, that even in comparison to blacks, frankly, Jews being last in line for self-awareness, blacks are more self-aware than Jews. So we can't just say that they have no awareness of what they're doing. They're literally more self-aware than Jews. Niggers know what they're up to. They just love the dirty. They love the down low. They love the trickiness of it. They love the getting one over on whitey. That's why they right. do it. Kikes right. are literally, we've all met Jews where they literally have no clue about what filthy, wretched beings they are. They just think yeah. like, ah, just God's gift. We're a light unto the nations. And uh, yeah, okay, Kike. Yeah. Well, what's this on the screen? Oh, I've seen her. <laughs> in, in real life, we've seen her. That is actually not an exaggeration. That's no, it's not. Yep. Which, mm. is, which the other thing is, blacks, of course, are in this nation for sure. They're not calorie deprived, are they? And uh, no, yeah, it's just it's absurd. You know, it's part of the culture, Paul. It's culture, culture, culture. You know, it's funny. I was having a brief conversation the other day with my brother, who spent over thirty years as a, as a service tech, uh, going into homes uh, and repairing people's uh, various appliances. And I remember early on, he used to categorize everybody by race in terms of the way they kept their homes, the way they kept their kitchen, the way, you know, how clean they were. Well, he said something interesting the other day, too, uh, in, in relation to what we were talking about. A friend of mine is dealing with one of these uh, tenants, okay, who is just this ongoing, you know, hassle trying to get her evicted. She's Mexican, of course, and her separated from her alcoholic husband and you know they got a bunch of kids like three or four kids up there trotting around he just can't get him out of his house 
and of course the sheriffs are totally on on their side she's called the sheriff multiple times and of course they'll come out and they'll enforce tenant rights okay right well anyway related to what my brother was saying so they they ran up a huge pg e bill over months because what one of the things that this broad did is she switched the utility bill to her name you know one of their lame attempts to establish residency and she didn't really even have to do that okay in fact she was stupid to do it because she did pay the bill for a while but it got so far behind it was several thousand dollars in arrears before it got turned off because you know they're home all the time everything is on they're running heaters in the winter time and my brother told me, he says, yeah, when you go into uh, Asian homes in the winter, uh, you'll see people in overcoats and sweaters because they got the heat off or the heat down real low. And, and a lot of times it's white people as well that aren't you can't afford. But when you go into a lot of these Mexican and other minority homes where it's clear they're probably not paying the full bill or paying the bill at all, they're just walking around in shorts and T-shirts and they got the heat, the heat blasting all the time. And, you know, this is the difference between, you know, frugal, responsible people that can and will build a an advanced high trust society and those who can only go along for whatever it is we provide for them. And the insidious nature of the vile kike is if you remember, what was it? I don't know. It all blurs. Was it 20 years ago or 30 years ago? that all of a sudden they're trying to legitimize teaching eubonics, which is like the 60 IQ black way of trying to speak English as a legitimate language. It's like, look, I don't care how stupid you are. Even, even a, a down syndrome kid, white kid can learn English. Right. And so the trying to, the, the niggerization as, as, as you said earlier of America by these vile kikes and, it's just, it's the psyop to allow for the Kudenhove clergy plan, right? The poor Negro, oh, so oppressed. It's black culture to rape white women. It's black culture to rob and shoot uh, small store owners. No, it's not. I mean, it just disgusts me. And because the kike controls all these traitorous politicians and and uh, uh, it's... Um, it's too much, too much. And, and and it's just, I could go on an epic rant, but I'm not gonna, because I know Paul is a master of the epic rant. And it's like, Paul, when, when are white people going to wake up? When are they going to wake the fuck up? <laughs> Good question. Well, thanks for that compliment there about I'm, I'm into the epic rant. Now, Davis, you, you have a little rant in response to what Giuseppe just said. Davis goes on some great rants. Uh, no, I've been I've been agreeing. There's nothing to there's nothing to even counter or expand upon because I do not know when white people are going to wake the fuck up, as Jared Taylor said. I will tell you though, I found some uh, just hearing that clip at the beginning of the show so often made me go back and convert some videos that Jared Taylor's into MP3s. And he's one of these guys who, of course, is you could argue has done so much good uh, and in initial phases of sort of. Uh, exposing white people to the idea that they have rights and that they are in fact being victimized but he never points to the jew of course this is a huge problem i actually yeah. i now struggle to take him seriously and, and here's my problem despite really liking him he seems like a very likable guy i went back and i saw this tree of logic interview from just a few years ago mm -hmm. and uh he's discussing in all seriousness uh about how he just doesn't know why this is happening if he could put his finger on Who's at the source of it? I felt like he was trolling me personally through my headphones. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you're telling me. I mean, this Jared Taylor's IQ is no doubt way above mine. 
he must know. It's a, it's an absurdity to sit there saying, well, I can point all this out, but I just don't know who it could be. I mean, is he, do you think he's mocking us or is he winking? Or what's, what's the point of this? He can't be that dumb, right? He cannot be that can't dumb. Be. Cannot so he, be. Unless his wife is like an Asian Jew or something. I have no idea why someone could be so invested in not mentioning what is so obvious. Well, I know that for a long time, the, the scuttlebutt was is that there was a lot of major Jewish contributors to American Renaissance. And of course, oh, uh, there you Jew, go. Jews have spoke Jews have spoken uh, prominently at previous. I've seen clips of them making speeches at the American Renaissance Conference. And, okay, there you go. Paul's put his finger on it. So Yeah. And, and of course, you know, here's the thing. OK, the, uh, I've mocked the not all argument so many times on so many platforms because the, the not all argument is of course an absurdity but okay i do realize that there's a lot of truth to it right not all blacks not all jews i mean there are some jews who aren't really so-called they may be religiously or, or racially uh you know on the jewish spectrum but i do think that tons of them would be on our side that doesn't mean obviously, okay, as, as a solid national socialist, that they're going to be allowed to serve in any government post, be it education, publishing, media, so forth, just like historically has been done. But uh, several callers have pointed out on shows I've heard, and I've not looked into the history myself, that one of the reasons the Byzantine Empire was so stable for so long, apparently like nearly a thousand years or something like that, uh, was because they had all these proscriptions about no Jews in government, no Jews in finance, no Jews in education. And, you know, since they had the, the so-called heavy-handed, uh, you know, Catholic Church there, uh, that that was possible. So I'm not, let's put it this way, even though I do have the leanings of a maniac, I'm not really, <laughs> I'm not really a total maniac. Yeah. In fact, this, Giuseppe, I'll send you a little bit later pictures of the little plate I put down to feed my mouse, you know, because I know that I got a little mouse and sometimes he gets hungry. So I put a little plate out and I feed oh, him. Oh, nice. So I'm, I'm a humanitarian. Yeah. Paul's prison pet. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, boys, we've come to the end of another excellent show. Go, the good shows go so fast. And, no, uh, no. We're, uh, so I'll give you each. Um, uh, opportunity to make a final statement. Let's let's go with uh, Davis, then Paul, and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah. So, admittedly, uh, bring like uh, ideas like cognitive penetration and horizontally shaping beliefs through group pressure. <laughs> I don't understand how that could be more of get a get out of here. <laughs> That's more of a discussion for like uh, Oron McIntyre or something, I guess. But I do think we need to. Uh, boy, I hate to sound like this guy, but we do need to hit the books. Uh, you're just not in the game if you're not reading books and uh, they're censoring the internet left and right, but you know what they can never censor? That book in my library, that book in my library is never going to change. Dialing in what the hell is going on? We got a caller? We have a caller. I don't know. Who, that might have been the great Fetzer, believe it or not, but I can't. The Jew take broke it. through. Oh, it's Fetzer. I don't want to call him that. Uh, listen, Giuseppe. I heard you discussing uh, all matter of horizontally shaping beliefs. It's an absurdity. <laughs> That's a really good imitation, man. Yeah, not bad. Paul, 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 Paul. Hang up on Paul. <laughs> I, I was, was going to ask for that. I was going to request that if you didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. 
fact, it would be great sometime to go back and put a montage together of clips of, of me and Jim going at it. Oh, I yeah, love it. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I, I, I was talking with a mutual friend in, in the so-called, in the community, in the intellectual milieu that Jim Fetzer is in, who, who knows him well. And, uh, you know, we both agreed on many things about Jim. And, of course, obviously, we respect him tremendously. But I am probably the only, if not the only person on air who has told him on multiple occasions to shut his pie hole and listen <laughs> to what I'm saying. And then, <laughs> right. and then we've been friends afterwards. In fact, uh, uh, he's called me, I think, once or twice immediately after the show. But a lot of times, a day or two later, to his credit, you know, he wanted to call me up and say, hey, you know, that was great back and forth we did the other day. Just I want you to know, you know, no hard feelings. Well, and, well I know we're going soon. But, yes, Jim is a gentleman. There's no yeah, doubt. no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, and people, you can get me through Giuseppe or Paul if you wanted to uh, make contact. Other than that, see you next Monday. There you go. And yeah. next Monday we have a guest, the one and only Alex Linder. So that should be a phenomenal show. Nice. Should be. Okay. Do I, I do I get a last word, Giuseppe? Oh, go ahead, Paul. Sure. Yeah, Absolutely. I was going to say, uh, you know, my final thoughts would be um, thanks once again for having me on your show and giving me a platform because in the famous words of Richard Gere and an officer and a gentleman, I've got nowhere else to go. I've got nowhere else to go. <laughs> there you go. The, the, uh, I, I Giuseppe, love uh, champions, the flotsam and jetsam of the intellectual community. So, all right. So Whoa, that being said, <laughs> I resemble that remark. Thank you, sir. Yeah. All right. Another great show. Tune in uh, Wednesday uh, for the, the Sane Asylum and, and then Friday for Perfect Triangle. And everybody have a great week. And uh, it's almost 70 here today, so I'm going to go walk my pooches now. See you Wednesday. Look at that big 